Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. And I'm so glad that we have a guest speaker. Um, uh, the guest speaker that we have is somebody that is a truly spiritual person. And I've shared this with you guys before that I think one of the most shocking things that I realized after going into ministry is how how much of a lack of reverence there is for spiritual behavior and spiritual practices. And it's actually so rare nowadays to to find people that take it seriously. And, and the guest speaker that we have today is someone that not only fasts and prays and um, dives in and studies the Word of God, but this is, uh, this is a person that cares about the kingdom, that he cares about the local church. Um, he's a lead pastor of House of Prayer, um, a, a church that his, uh, his father planted. And even uh, for his church, he recently um, established a whole daycare, something that the church has never had before. He, he pretty much created a, a business within the church for daycare to supply his salary. I mean, think about that, that instead of just, um, instead of just waiting for, for, uh, the church to supply all the needs, he created his own salary, created, it took off time from, uh, quit his old job, used his savings to, to where he literally volunteered all of his time to start a daycare at his church that, um, so that it could be fully funded. I mean, that is such an amazing testimony of caring about the kingdom, caring about the local church, and imparting um, so much wisdom, so much um, energy and effort into building something up that will last. And so I, I admire this man of God that we have to speak with us today. Um, he's someone that, that I definitely learn a lot from, someone that, that I'm so glad and honored to call my friend. Can we give a warm welcome to Mondo Andrade? Pastor Homer for that introduction. Grave top, how's everybody doing this morning? All doing all right? Woo! Excited. All right. Excited to be here. Thank you to Pastor Homer and Pastor Lauren for inviting me today. Uh, I met Pastor Homer about nine, ten years ago at 220i in Bethany. It was about nine, ten years ago. Um, and he reached out to me, what, two years ago? Yeah. It's been two years already, man. Um, we had coffee and we, we caught up and connected and ever since then we, we've been really connected. Um, we even worked a, a sales job together, right? Yeah. That was about, about a year and a half ago. And I remember we started around the same time. I, I started a little bit before him. And he came in and he started tearing it up. And you don't know this, but secretly I was a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this new guy coming in and showing me up. Nah, but I, I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for having me. And for trusting me to share the word with your flock. So, so thank you so much. Uh, like Pastor Homer mentioned, I, I am uh, taking the lead role of our church. Um, the daycare, it, it, it's been a crazy ride this last, last seven months. All these gray hairs you see happened this last year and a half starting this business. So it wasn't easy, but God pulled, pulled through and, and he's really blessed us in that area. Amen. So I just want to start off uh, today. Any note takers? No? A couple of y'all? Two of y'all? One of y'all? I would like for y'all to take notes. 
I'm like the substitute teacher coming in to give you all homework. So I want to start off by asking you all two questions. Um, if you need a title of today's message, it's called The Power of Godly Habits. So the first question I want to ask you, it's interactive. I, I need a show of hands. Who wants to, to have success and fulfillment in their life? All right, that's almost 100%. Pastor Homer's back there. He's not raising his hand. All right, 100%. Next question. I want you to write this question down because I think it's so important. What does that look like to you? What, everybody says they want it. But what does it look like? What does success and fulfillment mean to you? And I think every person, if you want to succeed, there has to be a goal. There has to be a target that you aim for or else you'll never get there. So I want you to go home and I want you to answer this question. I'll be back next week to look at your answers. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, yeah, just uh, email them to me if you can. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I looked up the definition of success on Google, and uh, I, I got a couple of uh, definitions. The accomplishment of an aim or purpose, the attainment of popularity or profit, a person or thing that achieves desired aims or attains prosperity. So I would say off the cuff, um, most people would define success as, you know, a happy marriage, um, you know, beautiful, healthy kids, a nice house, a job that they, they love and they're, they're well compensated for. Who, who would want that? Right? Most of us in here. Uh, two cars, a soccer mom car and a truck for dad, right? Yes. A cute little dog that you take on <laughs> nightly walks with your family. Would y'all say that? That's, and I think those are good goals to have, and everybody wants that. But I think that if we just define success with just earthly things, we're setting the bar a little bit too low. Actually, way too low. If we just aim for a comfortable life, I think we're cutting short our full God-given potential, in my opinion. Now, if these are, if these are your goals, that's great. Pow more power to you. But I think God has so much more for us than just earthly accomplishments. Amen? Yes. So, um, I want to give you my definition of success. The Mondo Webster Dictionary <laughs> of Success. And this is what I believe success truly is. It's becoming everything God intended you to become and doing everything God puts you on this planet to do. That's how I see success. And in order to accomplish this, we have to have two things. Turn to the person next to you and say, two things. We have to be two things. Number one, we have to be saved. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you saved? All right, that's good. Number two. Number two, that's all right. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it right now. Number two, you have to be sanctified. Turn to the person next to you and say, sanctified. sanctified. See, when we accept, to answer your question, when we accept Christ as, as Lord of our life, our spirit is resurrected and made perfect before God. So, therefore, we're saved from eternity with, without God through our faith. So, sometimes life takes us to a point to where we understand we need something more. We need, we need a savior. And, and, and we, God, I need you. God, you know, come into my life. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. All we have to do is just receive it. Jesus is the one that did the hard part of dying on the cross. Amen? The sanctification part, it's a little bit harder. 
It's a little bit harder. When I was younger, we used to go to these country camps um, in Columbus, Texas. Everybody, anybody ever been there? Close to Houston? You ever, you've been there? All right. So I remember in high school, we used to go, and I, we used to be all fired up, and we'd be like, Jesus, yeah, they have go-karts and horseback riding, and everybody, all the, everybody's all fired up. And I would come back, and I'll be all fired up. Oh, this is it. I'm changing my life, and I'll be fired up for about a week, and then I'll just go back to the way I, I was. Um, but I used to be like, that's all right, because when I get older, I'm going to have this amazing experience with God, and he's going to zap me, and I'm just going to become this, this amazing, this you know, loving, this generous, kind Christian man automatically when I have this experience with God. And I'm still waiting for that zap, because it, that's not how it works. It doesn't happen. The truth is our spirit is resurrected when we accept Christ. But before our spirit is resurrected, we spend a lot of time living through our soul. We we make decisions and create habits based on our desires and based on our emotions or what we think is right or what we think is the best thing to do. And along the way, we pick up bad habits. Along the way, we pick up bad desires. Along the way, we pick up wrong emotions or wrong ways of thinking. And after we accept Christ, those things just don't go away. All right? So let, let me give you a, an easy definition of sanctification. Sanctifi- sanctification sounds like a religious, like spiritual word, right? Like you are sanctified in the name of the Father. Right? It sounds spiritual. <laughs> but let me put it to you this way. Sanctification. Allowing God to help you do away with bad habits and helping him, uh, him helping you to create godly habits. And that's a process. Amen? Sanctification is not an event, but it's a process. Romans 12.2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, turn to your neighbor and say, then, you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What is that? That's success and fulfillment. Amen? And all this contributes to your future. Because God is more concerned about who you are becoming more than what you are doing. Let me say that again. God is more concerned about who you are becoming more than what you are doing. Because we can do a good thing out of the wrong heart. Right? You know, you could come here today and be like, well, I showed up to church today, God. So you better give me that raise that I'm looking for. Or you may do something, be kind to a person because you want to take a selfie and post it on social media. So you could do something good out of the wrong heart. So God is more concerned about who you are becoming more than what you are doing. And our habits are the main contributors of who we are. If people are thriving in their walk with God, you see somebody, man, that guy's guy's a person of God. That guy's a man of God. Homer, Pastor Homer, man, he is a man of God. Pastor Lauren, man, I see they're fired up. It's because they're doing something consistently in their life that brings them closer, a closer relationship with God. Amen? If you see somebody who's crushing it financially, man, that person is such a success. I wish I had their success. It's because they're doing something consistently. There's a habit that they have in their life that brings them to that success. If you see somebody with a good marriage or you see somebody that has good relationships, it's because in their life they're doing something good consistently that brings that success in their life. Amen? 
If you see somebody who, who's physically fit and has high energy, it's because there's a habit in their life that they do. They're eating right. They're going to the gym. They're exercising. That brings that success in that area of their life. Amen? Amen. It's the small things leading into the big things over time that bring that success. Pastor Greg Rochelle has this quote. Uh, he's a pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma, the biggest church in the United States. I know Homer's a big fan of Pastor Greg Rochelle, and I know I, he's probably heard this quote. He says, successful people will do consistently what normal people only do occasionally. Isn't that good? Successful people do consistently what only normal people will do occasionally. And let's take Jesus for an example. Jesus is the ultimate example, right? He's the beginning, the end. He's the person that we strive to be more like every day. Um, he's someone that he came to earth and, and became everything God intended him to become and fulfilled every promise, every prophecy about him. He left nothing unfinished, right? When he died, he's like, it is finished. I've done everything. So when we look at the example of Jesus, he was someone who was in lockstep with God. And of course, you might say, well, you know, he, he's Jesus. He's superhuman. He had superpowers, right? Would y'all most of y'all say that? But, but I don't believe that. God, God, Jesus was God, yes, but the Bible says he was also fully man. And Jesus said, greater works shall you do. So I don't believe Jesus had superpowers, but I believe Jesus knew the power of godly habits. Let's go to Luke 5.16. Is it on the screen? Awesome. I love that graphic. <clears throat> Luke 5.16 says this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. The reason Jesus was so in tune with God was because he made it a habit to spend time with God. He was consistent with his devotion to the Father. He knew exactly what the Father wanted to do, And I believe this is how it worked. I believe he was so in tune with God and, and he knew what God wanted and God showed him, hey, I want you to heal this person. I want you to raise this person. As, as he began to be obedient through the Holy Spirit, I believe God gave him the ability to move in the supernatural. And that's how God operated. That's, that's how Jesus operated. And I also believe the reason that he healed so many people and, and he loved so many people and he showed grace to so many people is because he had the habit of always thinking about others more than himself. Now, that's a hard habit to have, right? Would y'all say? Right? We're, we're selfish by nature. Um, it's funny, uh, Pastor uh, Homer talked about the daycare and I'm there all the time. And the two-year-old class is the hardest class that we have. <laughs> And I came to the conclusion that two-year-olds are the most selfish people on the planet. Like, it's funny because, like, a, a kid will have a toy, and without hesitation, another kid will just be like, mine. And the kid who got his, his toy taken, he'll just be like, Pah! and just slap, slap him right across the face. And that kid will go back, and he'll bite him, and then I'll be, I'll be breaking up fights all the time at Hot Tots Daycare. It gets crazy up in there. But let me share this quote, this quote with you. Our habits will make you or break you. We become what we repeatedly do. 
Turn to your neighbor and say habits. And sometimes it can be discouraging, discouraging when we want to accomplish goals. We want to be successful in a certain area. We want to be that man or woman of God. And we feel like we fail our old habits, right? Anybody, anybody can relate with me? Man, we want to be that godly person. We want to go forward. We want to, want to meet our goals. And those old habits rise up. And we feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 15. He says this. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right. For I want to stop eating junk food. For I want to start exercising. For I want to stop spending so much money. I want to read my Bible. Right? I want to spend more time with God. For I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Let's drop down to verse 18. I want to do what is right. The second part. I want to do what is good. But I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. But I do it anyway. What is that? That's a bad habit. And let's go down to verse 24. And this is, this is what he does. And this is what most people do. Is we... Let's read verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. See, what is he doing? He's connecting his failure with his identity. And that's what most of us do sometimes. We connect our failures with who we are. Man, I'm not disciplined. I'm not becoming more like Christ. I'm not getting closer to my deliverance. I'm not getting closer to my, go- my goals. I-, I feel like a failure. He goes on. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And verse 25, that's when he gets it. He says, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Only in Christ can we have total transformation. Only in Christ can we be made new. Only in Christ can our past not matter. Only in Christ, it says in the word of God, he makes all things new. And thank Jesus for his love, right? Thank Jesus for his grace. Thank God, I I thank God. Thank God, thank you Jesus for your patience with me. Because I know sometimes I can be disobedient or, or, or not do what you want me to do. Thank you for your patience as, as I continue to be sanctified in my life, right? In my prayer, my prayer for my brothers and sisters, I'm in, I'm in a different church, a different setting, but we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, right? My prayer is that we all experience the fullness that God has for us, the success and fulfillment. My prayer is that we all experience the life available to us in Christ. But I also... But also that we live out the disciplines and the habits that lead to a God-honoring, God-pleasing, successful life. Y'all get what I'm saying? So, I've, I've seen Christians do this. We get saved. All right, all right, God. Well, I'm saved. I, I accepted you. Now take care of my finances. But you never live out the habits or the disciplines or the biblical principles that lead to financial success. Y'all get what I'm saying? Or, God, I'm saved now, so now my health better be top-notch, but yet you never exercise. But yet you eat Whataburger every day. Or McDonald's. Right? (laughs) Am I calling some people out? (laughs) See? That we live out the disciplines and the habits that lead to a God-honoring, God-pleasing, successful 
life because successful people do consistently what others only do occasionally. And we all have good intentions, right? Like I mentioned in the beginning, who wants to be successful? We all do. That's our intention, to be successful, to be fulfilled, to do what God has called us to do. But why do sometimes, why, why do we still fail even though we have the best of intentions? Why don't things sometimes not seem to work out in our life even though you desire to be successful, you de- desire to be that godly man, that godly woman? I want to give you three reasons why we don't succeed. All right, so if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. All right, number one, the first reason why we don't succeed is we focus on the what, but don't understand the how. We focus on the action we want to perform, the accomplishment, but we don't understand how to get there. And I think for the most part, we have the same general ideas, the same general desires, the same general. If I were to take a survey, I'd be like, what do you want out of life? I think most of us would say, I want to be healthy, right? Anybody here? Like when you set your New Year's resolution, you're not like, man, I want to gain 20 pounds. Like not a good 20 pounds, not 20 pounds of muscle, but, but you know, you know, cholesterol. No, right? Nobody? I think relationships, I think all of us want to have good relationships, right? You want to have a good marriage. You want to have a good uh, uh, connections with other people, double dates, right? You want to go on good relationships. I think um, most of us want to be uh, set in our finances. Anybody in here want to be debt free and have an abundance in their finances, right? Most of us. Um, I don't think I don't think there's anybody in here that's like, I just want to get in debt and I just want you know I, I want to spend more than I make and I want to you know I want the creditors to be trying to call me and repossessing my car. Nobody has that goal, right? I think uh, most of us uh, want to be closer to God. I think for you, for y'all being here, there's a desire in you that you want to get closer to God. You want to fulfill, become who he's calling you to be, right? Most of you. Um, you want to be a disciple of Jesus. You want to make a difference. You want your life to matter, right? Most of us have similar hopes and intentions and goals. But why are the results so drastically different in some people and, some, and, and others? Some are really achieving at a high level and others are falling way short. Successful people and unsuccessful people generally have the same goals, but what's the difference? What separates success and unsuccessful? Let me tell you this. Your goals and your intentions don't determine success. Your systems determine success. Your systems. We don't rise to the level of our goals or intentions, but we fall to the level of our systems. So let me explain. You're like systems, you're like, you know, Xbox system. What are you talking about system? See, in every area of, of your life, you have a system, whether you know it or not. Let me take fi- finance, finances, because I'm going to count it. I was an accountant for seven years, so I, I feel like finances is something I'm pretty good at. You're not having the success you want in finances. Well, look at your system. More than likely, you're probably spending more than what you make. You probably don't have a budget. You're probably not looking at your bank account every day. You're not watching what you're spending. That's probably your system if you're not having success. If you're not as healthy as you want to be, if you don't have the energy that you think you should have, look at your system. What are you eating? Are you setting time aside for exercise? Are you setting time aside to, to go on a walk or go to the gym? Or are you planning to, to, are you meal prepping? That's a system. Now that doesn't sound too spiritual, right? 
kind of like, eh. Well, all over the Bible, you see people who are successful because of their godly systems, or you see people who are unsuccessful because of their ungodly systems. Let me give you an example. Anybody know who Daniel is in the Bible? Anybody? Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den? He's throwing, throwing the lion's den? Okay, one person. All right. So, in a secular setting, he was taken away from his homeland. He's, he's a Jewish. He served God. He was taken away as a young man, taken to a pagan nation. And even in an ungodly environment, he stood out among all the other leaders as more capable, as more gifted, as more godly, as more respectable. And even in an ungodly environment, he had success and he was promoted. Even to the point to where people were jealous of him and they conspired against him and he was thrown into the lion's den. And even thrown into the lion's den, he was able to stand faithful, stand strong, trust in God and come out the other side alive. Why? Because he had a system. What was his system? Daniel would go for years and years and years, three times a day, and he would spend time with God. That was his habit. That was his system. And it brought him success. And here's the mistake we make. We focus on the result. I want to change the result. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to finally pay off that debt. Well, we need to change the system that creates those bad results. Do y'all get what I'm saying? Am I making sense? If we fix what we do, if we fix the habits that we have, the outcomes and the results will fix themselves. Amen? So the first reason why we don't succeed was we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. The second reason we don't succeed is because we don't see progress fast enough. We don't see progress fast enough. Example, you work out five days in a row, and it was hard. You made a sacrifice. You were on that treadmill for an hour, and you almost died twice. And then, after the fifth day, you step on the scale, and you gain four pounds. And you're like, what the heck? Or maybe you pay a little extra on your credit card. And you sacrifice Starbucks. Anybody in here like Starbucks? I think it's a little overrated. But a little overpriced, overrated. Uh, or you sacrifice going out to eat. And, and you pay a little bit more toward your credit card. And at the end of the month, you still owe $20,000. Or maybe you eat healthy for a week. Maybe you went to work and, and they brought breakfast tacos. And you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm on a diet. And, or it's somebody's birthday at work and they bring cake, chocolate strawberry cake. Anybody like chocolate strawberry cake? It's my favorite. It's my, it's my weakness. And you say no. And then you go home and you measure your waist and you're still a 44-inch waist. No progress. Or maybe you pray three days in a row and you have devotion and you spend time with God. And on your way to church, somebody cuts you off. And those old habits... <laughs> want to rise back up, right? And we don't see the result. And you wave at that person. Hey, Jesus loves you, but it's not the good wave. And we don't see the results fast enough. And we make this mistake. We wrongly conclude that small, good decisions don't matter that much. 
This small God-honoring habit, this faithful decision doesn't really make a difference. Now on the flip side, you skip church for a weekend. Like Homer was saying, some people skipping church today. And on Monday, you wake up and, and your world is not turned upside down. Like God didn't smite you off the face of the earth. Like not, not much changed. Or maybe you ate that whole box of chocolate chip cookies and you blame the kids. And that night, nothing really changed. You didn't get, you get stepped on the scale and you didn't gain any, any weight. Or maybe you decided to sit on the couch and watch sports all weekend instead of going on date night with your wife. And your wife was mad, but she didn't, she didn't leave you. <laughs> and then you wrongly conclude that small, bad decisions don't matter that much. And, and so you wrongly conclude that good, small decisions don't matter. And you wrongly conclude that bad decisions don't matter. But you miss the truth that is impacting your life. That our life is the sum total of all the small decisions and habits that we make every single day. Who we are today is a result of every single small decision we made along the way. Now, now when you see people whose, whose life is wrecked, whose life is just spirally out of control and they hit rock bottom, it's very rare that we see people wreck their life all at once. It's, it's a, little, a little lie here. It's a little, a little compromise over there. A little cu- cutting of the corner right there. A, l- a little bending of the rules here. A little stepping of the line over there. And people wake up. Every little small decision, a small bad habit each and every day. And they wake up and they wonder, how the heck did my life turn out this way? Or we see somebody who's crushing it at life. We see somebody who's successful, living out the desired results that we want. And we might get a little jealous. I saw Homer making all those sales and I was a little jealous. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't that jealous, but I was competing. You feel better now. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. We see people who are crushing it and, and we might get a little jealous. Oh, it's because, it's because they're privileged. It's because their, their parents helped them out. It's because, oh, they just got lucky. It's because they're smart. It's because they're, t- they're talented. And we don't see the small, good decisions made and the good habits that they developed every single day. The self-sacrifice, the trusting in God, the perseverance, the spending time in prayer, the fasting, the sacrifice of spending, the sacrifice of budgeting, the sacrifice of eating right and exercising. Good de- Let me tell you this. Good decisions are never wasted. Turn to your neighbor and say, good decisions are never wasted. You may not see the result right away. You may not see the result right away, but they're being stored up for a big payday in your future. Your good habits. It's the things that no one sees that bring the results everybody wants. Let's go to Galatians 6.9. And the Bible puts it this way. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Every good decision that you make is being stored up for a big payday in your future. Amen? Amen. So the first reason we fail was what? 
Good. Number two was what? We don't see progress fast enough. And the third reason we fail is our distorted identity sabotages our success. How do you see yourself? What does the enemy do? The enemy tries to connect your failure with who you are. So you failed in this area, so that makes you a failure. You failed in your finances, so that makes you a failure. You failed in your marriage, so that makes you a failure. Or you did something bad. You did something bad, so now you're a bad person. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to lie to you and, and, and steal your identity. But when we look at, at some of the most effective people in the Bible, we see people who, who battled with identity issues. Moses. Anybody know who Moses is in the Bible? Split the Red Sea. Moses didn't live up to his own expectations. And, and, and Moses was a man. He grew up in, in the palace of uh, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh. He was educated. I bet he was strong. He, he was a strong leader. And, and God moved him away. And he was isolated in the wilderness for 40 years. But when God called him again, he began to make excuses. God is like, I want to use you to free my people. I want, I want to use you in a mighty way. Moses began to make excuses. But God, I, I can't. I can't speak. I, I stutter. I'm, I'm not a good leader. And he began to identify with his failures. And I believe it kind of sabotaged. Even though God used him, he didn't make it to the promised land. And I think because of his distorted identity, he didn't make it to the promised land. Gideon. Anybody know Gideon? Who Gideon was? All right. Pastor. Pastor Homer. Gideon was called by God. But when God, when God called Gideon, he was actually hiding from the enemies. He was in fear. He, he was threshing wheat and he was hiding. He's like, I got to hide because if the enemy sees me with this food, they're going to take it from me. And the angel of the Lord came and, and he began to make excuses. I'm the weakest and the least in my community. The angel of the Lord came and said, mighty warrior. Even though he was hiding from the enemy, he was fearful. The angel of the Lord called him out and said, mighty warrior. What are some of the things that you battle with? I can't because, you know, I'm not smart enough. I can't because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm not a godly person. I'm here to tell you that God is saying, looking, looking at you and saying, mighty warrior. Amen? Amen? The apostle Paul felt unqualified and unworthy. And yet God still used him to write most of the New Testament. And it might be playing out this way in your life. You feel, you feel like you're not disciplined enough. You feel like you're not smart enough, not organized enough. You feel like you're not educated enough, maybe not godly enough. But God is saying, hey, I want to use you. You have a purpose. I have a plan for your life, and I want to use you. I want you to be successful. I want you to be fulfilled in life. Identity matters. Let me say this quote. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. So how you, that's why how you see yourself matters. And I think that should be one of our prayers is, God, let me see myself the way you see me. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. And unwise habits reinforce that unhealthy identity. So it's a cycle. We don't see ourselves as godly. So we don't feel like we have to live godly right that happens sometimes and then the way we live the way 
I'm living this way, so I see myself as an ungodly person. Right? Now, on the flip side, a healthy identity creates positive habits. And positive habits reinforce a healthy identity. So you see yourself as a man or as a woman of God. I am a man or woman of God. I am called. So therefore, I, I read my Bible. I do spend time with God. I am a kind person. I do pursue the things of God. And when we do those things, it reinforces our identity as a son and daughter of God. Amen? No single action will change your identity. But consistent actions over time will change how we feel about ourselves and bring change to our identity. And, and let me close with this. So I had that question for you. What does success and, and fulfillment mean to you? What does that look like? And, and I want to give you another question. Who do you want to become? What does that look like? And this is something that I believe if we want to see change in our life, we have to answer these most important questions. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? I want to be that man of God. I, I want to be that woman of God. I want to be a more godly parent. I want to be a more godly husband, a more godly wife. I want to be financially free so I can be more generous. I want to be more of a witness for Jesus. I want to be more healthy um, over my life. I want to have control over my eating habits so my life is not cut short because of my bad eating habits and I can't fulfill my purpose. I want to be more healthy. Let me say this. Identity shapes actions. When we know who we are, we know what to do. The, the do overflows out of who we are. That's why I say God is more concerned about who you are becoming, not what you are doing. Romans 6.6 6 says this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Amen? When we know who we are, we know what to do, and how to live. And it's just some of the, the habits. God has been speaking to me about habits. And, and, and some of the habits that, that I've seen change the course of my life, I've always given my tithe. I've always given my, my 10%. Ever since I was 16 years old, it's something that was instilled into my life by my parents. It's something I saw my parents do. It's a habit that I, I, I have, and I'm set on this habit. And in my life, I've never financially... I've never lacked in my life. There's never been a point in my life where I was like, of course, giving and stewardship of, of taking care of what God has given me. But I know because of tithing, because uh, I give to the Lord, I've, there's never been a time where I couldn't pay a bill. There's never been a time where I was, you know, I, people were calling me trying to repossess. Like God has blessed me in the area of finance. Another uh, habit I'm picking up is trying to, and I've been doing this, is reading more than scrolling. Reading books more than scrolling on my phone. Because how many of you know that we have that habit now to just reach for that phone, right? And just, you know, click that, that Instagram app or that Facebook app, right? Um, another uh, habit I've picked up really in the, uh, recently was journaling every day. I, I bought a five-year journal. 
And every day before I go to bed, I, I write what God is showing me or I write how I'm feeling. I write down, you know, some of the things I learned that day. And that's really, that's really helped me in my growth. But who do you want to be? Who do you want to, who do you think God is calling you to become? So like I said, I'm like a substitute teacher coming in and giving y'all homework. And I, and I want you to go home and answer these two questions. Because I think if you really define what success is, if you really define who you want to be. I think that is the first step to drastic change in your life and change for the good. Amen. And do this for, do this for yourself. Do this for your family. And, and I believe that as we replace old habits and replace them with godly habits, we see that there's, there's an old habit that I'm leaving behind and, and, and I'm picking up this new habit. And there's another old habit and I'm picking up, picking up this new habit. There's another old habit, and I'm just moving forward, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving more to be more like Christ, more and more every day, as we become more sanctified, and we focus on our growth in Jesus. Amen? I want to be more like Jesus, and that's the ultimate goal. He's the ultimate example, to be more like Christ, to be more Christ-like. Um, let's, just, let's just bow our heads right now. I believe there's some, some people in here and, and God, God is calling you to, to greater things. God has so much in store for you that if he were to show you right now, you couldn't even comprehend the um, amazing things God has for your life. But like I said, it starts, it starts with Jesus. It starts, we cannot fulfill what, what we're called to fulfill without him. So I always give, every time I speak, I always give this opportunity. If there's anybody in here that you've, you've never accepted Christ in your life, I just want you to just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Nobody's, no, this is not a time to look around. Let's just, just raise, raise your hand if you never accepted Christ in your life and you want to do that today. Amen. Amen. Let's just say this prayer. Say, Lord God, thank you for the cross. I ask you right now. That you come into my heart, that you come into my life, fill me with your Holy Spirit, remove those bad habits, help me replace them with good godly habits. I receive right now all you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just give God some praise today. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.